0: Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. Today, we've got Danielle Kobo in the house. So excited to have this elite career coach, host of the Dream Job Podcast. If you are hungry for grit, resilience, courage, looking to thrive in a complex and challenging world that we live in, she is the beautiful beast you are looking for. So excited to have you with us, friend. Thanks for dropping on.
1: Thanks for having me today.
0: You bet. You are very intriguing too. You got quite the story. You were you were kidnapped when you were three and you were kicked out by the time you were 17. That's a lot to overcome. You want to just give us a quick, you know, Cliff Note version, if that's even possible of your story. I mean, yes.
1: Yeah, Cl- Cliff Note's version is... At three years old, I was kidnapped. I didn't know it at the time. So, most of my upbringing, I thought that my father had left us. I thought that, and that created a lot of unworthiness in my life, a lot of insecurities, a lot of attachment issues growing up. And then when I was 17, uh, my mom and I had gotten into an argument where eventually, I was slapped across the face because I said a word I should have never said to her. Not a good reason to be slapped, but at the same time, I did say a word I wasn't supposed to and then pushed down the stairs. And it was at that moment where I realized that being in a toxic environment at home was not good for me. And she kicked me out of the house. And I remember the next day going to the school counselor and the school counselor had shared with me, Danielle, you need to go back home. And I tried to explain a little bit without going into too much detail. Uh, It's not a good environment. I wasn't healthy. I was struggling with my mom's kind of mental issues that she was having, her mental health that she was experiencing with her bipolar disorder. And she said, if you don't amount to anything, you're never going to succeed in life. Like if you don't go back home, you're never going to amount to anything in life. And it was at that moment when I realized that we have a choice. And that's either to listen to other people's opinions and whether or not they know what's good for us or not, or we can listen to ourselves. And that's when I ended up leaving, but I didn't end up finding out that my mom kidnapped me until much later when I actually met my father.
0: Right. Yeah. You were originally just told that he had abandoned you and all the while you were, you were only about an hour away from where you originally lived. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hear it when I talk to my father now. My father and I have a very close relationship now, but he tells me stories of sitting out. Eventually, he knew where I was, but at that point, his uh, lawyer had basically said, like, if you continue to fight with her, your my mom, that he was she was probably going to take me out of state, and he didn't want that. Right. So he tells me stories of just sitting in the playground from afar, watching me play, but without being able to interact. And I can't imagine. As I am now I'm a mom to five-year-old twins, I can't imagine how painful that must have felt for him. Oh. And at the same time how selfless he was trying to do what was best for me even though it hurt him so deep inside.
0: So tough. Yeah, any of us who are parents, I can only imagine being that close and not being able to hug him and love him and oh it had to be so tough. So valued directed, stronger. Of those three words, which one do you feel you learned the most or became a better version of you as a result of your experiences between ages three and 17?
1: I would say it's almost a combination of the two. Okay. I've, I believe that our past does not define us. Mm -hmm. Our past shapes us into the person that we are tomorrow. So in a lot of ways, because of my upbringing, because of the challenges that I overcame, I became a stronger person. And it also directed me into who I am today. I probably wouldn't be here on a podcast, sharing my story, doing what I do for work, which is helping other people thrive in complex and changing times and helping people develop the grit, resilience, and courage to go after what they want in life Mm. if I didn't experience those things. So in a lot of ways, I feel like my upbringing helped me become stronger and directed me towards a path that I
0: was meant to go to. Oh, that was good. I feel like you were kind of cheating. Uh, (laughs) Well done. Okay. Well, if we were talking work you you've also had a very, a very cool story with how you've progressed there when you're speaking to leaders which of those three elements would you say is the most important for their employees to feel valued directed or stronger
1: 100% valued absolutely valued right now Gallup did a study and they found that only 15% of their employees are engaged right now that's a very low percent mm-hmm. yeah. and Now more than ever, when you look at the different generations between the baby boomers, the Gen X, the millennials, the Gen Zs, people are wanting a sense of purpose in their career and in their life. They want to feel valued. They want to feel appreciated. And that old mentality of, we're going to pay you a salary for 40 hours a week, but you're going to work 60 hours a week. People have had enough. They want- to have a healthy life. And that is being able to be present at work and being able to be present at home. And so what are some different ways that employers can show their employees that they're valued? And that goes into understanding your employees' core values, what's important to them, what motivates them, Uh, providing personal development and professional development, knowing that they have a clear outline and understanding where do you want to go in your career and providing resources to help your employees achieve those goals. And then the younger generations are looking at companies that give to their community. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. They're wanting more of that sense of purpose and part of that sense of purpose. How is the organization donating to the community? And so I feel like valued is absolutely probably one of the most important things. Treat your employees as your number one customer, Mm. and they will treat their customers as their number one.
0: Mm. Cabo Nation, (laughs) coming strong. Love it. That is so good. So I I 100% I'm 100% on board with that. That being said, 30% of Americans, and this is a six continent wide podcast, but In regards to Americans, I saw a stat where 30% of Americans are depressed. You know, you're talking about how management should be making their people feel valued. At the end of the day, do we need someone else's permission to be happy?
1: No, and it always starts looking inward. Absolutely. It starts with us. We have a choice each day to wake up in the morning and say, today is going to be a good day sometimes I'll ask my husband, okay, well, what's one thing you're looking forward to at work today? I'll ask my kids, what are you looking forward to at school today? Because if we go into that mindset and we get caught in that, almost like that drama triangle, right? We start thinking of everything that's going wrong in our life, everything that's going wrong at work. I don't feel valued. I don't feel appreciated. Well, at the end of the day, it's up to you to make the change. And sometimes that change is communicating to your manager and saying, "Hey." I don't feel valued right now. And if we could, if X, Y, Z were to happen, I think I would feel more valued here. It starts with us.
0: We do become what we think about. What would you say to that person that's stuck on the negative train right now, that's stuck in the pity city, stuck with the victimitis card, stuck stuck in that rut? Because once you get on the negative train, it's really hard to get off of it. Is there a, I'll tell you this, is there is there a word that could give us more power. Is there a word that someone that is stuck in that circum those circumstances that could give us just a little more power when our toes touch the floor each morning? Is there is there a word you can think of that could help us trend in the right direction?
1: Yes, I have the power of one word, and I talk about this in my book
0: okay. that is
1: uh, scheduled to release in spring of 2023, and that is how do we shift from obligation to opportunity? So having the mindset of I should have, I have to, that is obligation. That is almost when we say should, should have almost puts guilt on ourselves as to what we should have done Mm -hmm. versus get to. So I have to cook dinner. I get to cook dinner. This is a when it hurts. I have to pick up my kids or I get to pick up my kids. I have to work out. I get to work out. Shifting one word can shift from an obligation to an opportunity. And eventually, if you incorporate that as part of your everyday language, it's interesting. A lot of people will hear me in conversation, and sometimes they'll pause me for a second, and be like, Do you realize that you always say get to? And that's interesting. Why do you say that? And it opens up the dialogue, and then they start incorporating it in their language as well.
0: That's amazing. I love it. I love it. We definitely drink the same juice, sister. I love your mindset and your forward-minded thinking and your opportunistic thinking. That's really good. So you talk about, by the way, you talk about should. I often joke about this. You know what you get when you you are always saying, I should have done this and I should have done that. You hmm. get a pile of should. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big proponent of sleep and yeah. I I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I think that's our most underrated high performance tool we've got in the shed. And the cool part is it's free and there's untapped infinite potential with it. Do you believe sleep gives us a competitive edge? We always talk about all these things that give us an edge. Do you believe sleep isn't that top tier?
1: A hundred percent sleep yeah. is essential for our bodies to function properly. You look at people that are on short amount of sleep. They don't get enough sleep throughout the night. They end up being irritated, impatient, short with people. Your mind doesn't have that clear quality of focus when people have eight hours of sleep, which is around what we should be having anywhere between six and nine, but really striving for that eight, we wake up more energized. We wake up with a higher sense of clarity and focus and mental energy and stamina throughout the day. And one advice that I give a lot of people too is, you know, you've got your pre sleep routine. So not being on your phone an hour before bed, turning the lights dim, having, you know, maybe lavender, having sitting in your bed, maybe reading a book as you're drifting off to sleep. That's important. Your one hour before bed. And then the hour right after you wake up is also the first hour of your day creates the intention Mm. of your day. Mm. And even the simple tweak of not snoozing your alarm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Those people that are guilty of snoozing their alarm, I used to be one of them. My nickname used to be Sleeping Beauty growing up, so I get it, (laughs) I get it. I'm not a person you wanna wake up in the morning. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm okay, because I get my eight hours of sleep, but when you snooze your alarm, your body goes back, you're you're trying to go back to sleep, but you're not giving your body adequate time to go into the REM cycle, the rapid eye movement cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, The first cycle is only about 10 minutes. You're not giving yourself enough time to get into that deep sleep. So then what happens is your body's, you've communicated to your body, go back to sleep, but you don't actually get into the deep sleep. So then what happens when your alarm goes off again, you wake up groggy and tired, and that grogginess can last up to four hours in the day. So, actually, waking up when your alarm goes off, if you ever follow Mel Robbins, count uh-huh. five, four, three, two, one, yep. and get out of bed.
0: Yep. I love it. 100% on board with that. Uh, you talk about boundaries. You talk about being intentional. You, I hear you talk about goal setting. Do you feel goal setting is also catapulted to a different level when you're getting your six to nine hours of sleep? Are we more sloppy with that when we're not getting our six to nine?
1: I think we're probably like sloppy with a lot of things when we're not getting our true yeah. adequate sleep. Our we thrive on routines? If you look at kids, kids thrive on routines as much as we want to be flexible, but they enjoy routines going to nap at certain times, breakfast, lunch, dinner, at certain times our own, even as adults, we thrive on routines. So I'm a big advocate, not to say that I'm, I'm rigid. We have to do this. At, we have to do X, Y, Z at this specific time. But more about having a routine, waking up in the morning, I have do three things, my coffee, my protein shake, my electrolytes. I go for a walk every morning, listen to a podcast, feel my mind with positive motivational words or music in the morning. And then at the beginning of the day, looking at your calendar, what are my top three priorities to make sure that whatever I'm doing that day is aligned with exactly what I want to do and align with the priorities to make sure that I'm very productive throughout the day.
0: I love it. So good. So good. You know, while you're talking, I think about, you know, having a, for me, having a routine eliminates a lot of stress because I feel like I'm more prepared for the day. And if I'm prepared, I really don't have any real reason I mean, we'll all get butterflies in some big moments, but I don't, I don't get stressed when I'm prepared because I know that I've given myself my best shot at being my best self and I can control that. And I was looking at a study recently where 70% of all health-related issues begin with stress. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you speak and I think about goal setting. And so there's the person that feels overwhelmed. They're probably overwhelmed because they haven't kind of been taking care of business with some of the things you and I are talking about. They don't know where to start. Like they're so overwhelmed. They don't know where to start. What would your advice be to that person? Where do I start? Where do I even start with goal setting? Where do I start with the routine? What do I do? How do I get going there?
1: That's a great question. Yes. <laughs> um, the first step that uh, the first step that I would take is, is going into the preventative. And we talk a lot about how do I overcome stress? How do I overcome burnout? But how can we take a proactive approach? And one of the exercises that I talk about in my book is the weekly body scan. Mm. So our bodies are very powerful. They communicate to us, but a lot of times we ignore it. We neglect it. We don't listen to what our body is communicating to us. So how can we take a proactive approach in preventing burnout? So that starts with Each week, whatever day you choose, maybe it's every Monday, let's say, you stand in front of a mirror and you do the weekly body scan. So you start at the very top of your head and you work your way down. Is your hair, and and I'm going to go through all the telltale signs that your body is in distress or stressed. Is your hair dull? Is it breaking? Do you have split ends? Is it thinning? Is it falling out? When you look at your face, is your face dull? Is it dehydrated? Is your face breaking out with acne all of a sudden? Um, There's also different areas within your face where acne is related to stress. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you look at your, your decollete, also is that maybe having some acne as well? Then you move down when you look at your hands, when you lift up your the center of your, the top of your hand and you lift it up and the skin stays there. That's a sign that your body's dehydrated. You're re- neglecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at your nails, are they brittle? Are they chipping? And then you go to your stomach. Does your stomach, is it in knots? Are you nauseous? Are you not having proper digestion? Right. I mean, these are all telltale signs that your body is saying you are in distress. You are in a position where you are neglecting the health of your body. And so, once you go through that weekly body scan and you're starting to notice, I have three signs that are showing that my body's under stress, well, then that's time to reevaluate. What is causing the stress? Is it emotional stress with the things that are going on at home? Is it stress related to work? Is it a temporary stress? Sometimes we have peaks and valleys of what's going on in our life, or is it long term? And where can we make adjustments and changes? Is it a conversation with our boss saying, Hey, you know what? I overextended myself. Is it reevaluating your calendar and reprioritizing what's going to take top initiative? Is it getting more help at home? Uh, so I always say start with the weekly body scan and then reevaluate where you're spending your time, who you're spending your time with and make changes.
0: Oh, sleeping beauty, bringing it this morning, bringing it. I love it. That is so good. Not a bad answer for a, a tough question. So, we are, uh, we're probably about five minutes away, and then I am kicking you to the curb. <laughs> so, what I loved about what you just did there, I, and I, I'm again, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth here, is that you're asking us to ask questions. And I feel like the world is run by great questions, not necessarily searching for answers, but searching for the right questions. Kind of translating that, moving it forward to, you're also really good at helping people manage change. Do we manage change by knowing the right questions to ask? Are there right questions to ask? What do you think?
1: So when it comes to managing change? Yeah. What questions to ask ourselves?
0: Yeah. People that changed jobs 12 months ago, 40% of them are changing jobs again today. 40%. So there's lots of people with change. And a lot of them are changing running from something, not really running to something. You're a person that, you know, you, you got kidnapped when you are three, you were kicked out when you were 17, you didn't meet your dad till you were 15, yet at age 23, you were already earning six figures. So you are an ex- expert in change. You had a lot of stuff rocking. Then you get, you know, you start having a family and you have two incredible kids. And anyone who's a parent knows that you're constantly rocking some change. What are <laughs> yes. what is what some advice you would give someone who's also going through change right now that could be a little bit overwhelmed or feel like they're on an island? What would be some advice you would give them?
1: The advice that I would give them is always go back to what your core values are. No matter what job you're in, no matter what you're doing in your personal life, what are the five core values? That are important to you what are the non-negotiables in your life that no matter what you are doing you are always living those core values so sometimes when i'm going through change and i have uncertainty or there may be external factors that are contributing to maybe stress i always go back to saying what are my core values And is what I'm doing right now aligned with those core values? And if it's not, then maybe it is an opportunity to change or redirect or do something else. But if it is, then it's the reassurance and knowing that I'm in the right place. Mm. So it's it's always going back to what are your core values? Also looking at every year I create a vision board. I have it right above my desk. I can see it every day. And is what I'm doing right now gonna support in achieving the goals that I want to achieve. And it's not always a matter of what do you want to do? It's who do you get to be mm. when you achieve those goals?
0: Yes, I love it. Man, so good. You are a rock star for sure. What is one thing that keeps your your clients awake at night? And how do you help them fix it?
1: Right now, I'm hearing a lot of people that are feeling like they're missing a sense of purpose. I've worked with clients who have been very successful in their career, and they're achieving top performance. They're achieving presence, club, in sales. They're getting promoted. They've had all this sex- success in their career but something's still missing and they can't figure out what it is. And so a lot of times we'll go through different exercises exercises and helping them gain, gain clarity as to what motivates them, what inspires them, what are they passionate about, what are their core values and getting back in realignment so they have a sense of purpose.
0: That's so good. You have been amazing. As we draw to a close, I would love it If you could speak to our audience, how can they help create the best version of themselves beginning today? 30 to 45 seconds.
1: Beginning today, the best way that you can create your best self is write down your core values. If you want to Google core values, see a list of 200 of them, you'll probably find, but narrow it down to five. And narrow it down, and saying, "What am I doing today in every aspect of my life? How does it align with my core values?" Because when you have a sense of purpose and meaning, you get to create an impact, and whether it's at work or in your personal life. Because at the end of the day, we are all leaders, and we get to show up as leaders. It's not a matter of having a title.
0: Oh, oh! Leadership isn't a title, is it? I love it so good. Well, you've been fantastic, friend. I know you've got. A lot of people tugging at you in a lot of different directions. You also have your own rock star podcast. I hope people tune in to the dream job podcast and you will have your book coming out in the spring. Thank you so much and, and, and make it a great day.